We are live. We are live. Coming Finally. to you from Oklahoma City and St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, it's been a it's been a minute. Yeah, it has. Um, is this a cold open, or are we going to do the uh, episode fifty three and uh, read the psalm? Yeah, we should probably do that. It's been okay. like so long we've forgotten how to how to podcast. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sensing soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in According to Mahalath, a masculine of David, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even Have those who work evil no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon God? There they are, in great terror, where there is no terror. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, when God restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Psalm 53 in the ESV. Brian, Brian, wasn't that Psalm 14? Did you read the wrong one? It's very, very close. Very close, but it's not the same one. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it just sounded like maybe that was right. I mean, it's just been so long since we've done this. I feel we must have missed something or forgotten how to do this yeah is, yeah, is this microphone is. working can you can you hear me i'm not sure are you still yelling at your ipad ipod <laughs> your ipod <laughs> i always am yelling at my ipod unless it's reform forum and then i'm just trying to understand because they use big words man like mahalath yeah like that one um yeah. Apparently, Klein was one of the foremost Hebraic scholars of the 20th century. I had no idea. That's, but I learned that today on Reform That's pretty Forum. pretty cool. <laughs> I'm a little behind. Anyway, uh, so we have a podcast, too. It's called The Balming we Gilead. Have, uh, it's, it's been a while since we've seen everybody. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I, I did some research. I checked my notes, and I found that the last episode was uploaded 
on July 5th, 2022, which is a while ago. It's like uh, five months, five months ago. Yeah, it's November now. 11 minus 7. Well, I mean, maybe maybe 4. Maybe four, 4 months. It's been 5 months since episode 52. That's a, uh, a, little, that's little a long over. time. That's, this is that's episode 53. Uh, quite um, a summer break. Quite a summer break, yes. We said that we were going to take a break, and it went a little long. Uh, longer yeah. than anticipated. We uh, needed it, or we did it. anyway. We have been so busy. Yes. In fact, uh, you had asked about a month ago, hey, Grant, you ready? And I was like, um, I have precisely one free Saturday between now and the end of the year, and it's November 12th. And guess what today is? November 12th. November 12th. I've been looking forward to today. Uh, it's very exciting uh, to see you. And uh, um, I, I mean, like we've talked um, we're, yeah. we're hanging out on on the discords and uh, yeah. enjoying life there. Um, and if you want to join us, if you want to be a part, go ahead and send an email to Balmcast. There is no, no, no. There is at Balmcast dot com. Can you remember one. our email address? <laughs> no, our own email address. Man, uh, someone sent me a screenshot. I don't know what catcher it was, but it had us listed as inactive. It's like, well, Uh-oh. I guess that's true. That was Brad. Brad yeah. So this, this, oh, this man. podcast had a big old, big old inactive button next to it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're reactivating. Uh, just reactivating. mixed with water. Yes. Yes. Just mixed with water. Just not on the laptop itself. Um, oh yeah, that bad idea. But yeah, here we are. Uh, it's good to yeah. see you again, Brad, as well, um, and uh, to many of our other ones. Spencer, I know he's out there somewhere, and um, I'm guessing that Justin also is uh, maybe che- checking in from from uh, his home there uh, down south. Yeah. So uh, there's at least five. Have you talked to F and H lately? I have. In fact, he's he's called me quite uh, twice recently, so we've we've had some good conversations. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, really need to reach back out to him. I um, have just been really, really busy. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a season. It's a season for it's sure. It's a season. <laughs> yeah, so, what have you been involved with over these past five Let's see. months? The past four or five months. Um, so in. In July, so since we posted our last episode, uh, even just a, a few days after we started our last episode, I I joined a workout group. Uh, it's been it's been very very needed, not necessarily for the physical aspect of actually working out that that has been good, but just the the uh, the close male community, uh, just doing hard things together. Uh, it isn't completely faith-based, though there are a lot of believers in this group. It's called F3, uh, which stands for Fitness Fellowship Faith, though according to their definition of faith, it's like a more universalist faith. Believe in something bigger so, than yourself. Are you saying that they're a band of Christians rather than a Christian band? Sure. You're something telling me you never heard that? Come on, yes, that was like the uh, 90s. Yes, I've oh, okay. absolutely heard that, yes. <laughs> I mean, 
maybe one of those bands like Jars of Clay who have since walked away from the faith or something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I've, it's been really good for me uh, in my just in, in, in this, this stage in life. There's a lot of guys in the same stage that I'm in. Um, just getting out at like 530 in the morning and working out with a cinder block in the cold. I mean, it's just been it's been really interesting and really good, really challenging uh, if you, listener, male listener, are uh, have an F3 community in your area, I highly recommend reaching out and just looking it up uh, because it has been, it's been, it's been really good for me. Um, also, school year, uh, I, I moved from, from middle school to high school. So I'm teaching. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm teaching uh, geometry and algebra two. Uh, which geometry was my favorite subject in high school. Uh, really, really been enjoying it. It's very logic based, not like computation based, but it's been it's like logical flows of things. And I just, I've really, really been enjoying teaching that. But first year teaching. Geometry's have, okay, but you got to know the angles. And uh, I have a poster in my room that says, um, if you don't know where to start, always start with the tri angle. That's a. That's a good angle to start with. Yeah. Um, it's it's very acute, um, I would say. Yeah. Now I'm just being obtuse. That's right. Come on. I said right. Right. <sighs> right. Yeah. I just feel like you're being a little square with me. Probably. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We can go on all night, but no one wants to listen to that. It's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, we also, we joined a gym too. I mean, uh, back in Omaha, that was one of the best things I ever did. Um, I am not the waking up at 5, thir- well, getting out in the cold at 530 with a cinder block kind of guy. But I have been going with my son to the gym and we run for at least a mile and he just set a new record the other day. He can run a mile in six minutes and 46 seconds That's pretty good. age 15, which is blowing my mind because my fastest time ever as a kid was like seven minutes, you know, a seven minute mile. So really, really, and maybe it was probably closer to seven and a half minutes. Um, and that was fastest ever. So really proud of him. Um, it's been a lot of fun going, um, and it is helping us just feel better because we're not so ooh all the time. Yeah. Um, it's been great. We did do some traveling, uh, this yeah. summer a little bit, mostly for work, but we also went for, um, a family reunion, uh, really, you know, more September time frame. but we, uh, went out and saw a certain family that we're rather fond of the, uh, Emerson's. Yeah. So oh, I know those guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, was, was that the time that was that the time we recorded an episode and I forgot to turn on the the sound? Yes, that was yeah. it. That was. I it. remember it was great. We had a wonderful time. Uh, just really, really enjoyed getting to know you and your family a lot better, and um, went to church with you guys, and um, just had a blast. Uh, we will definitely be doing that again uh, next time we're through town, and. I mean, who knows? Uh, honestly, um, 
you know, uh, my work does take me to through there from time to time. Um, I haven't had an opportunity yet to jump on that gravy train again, but um, next time we do, <laughs> we'll, we'll I will turn see on ya. the sound. <laughs> oh, very, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's just been kind of a cycle of work. Um, been doing some reading. Uh, in fact, one of the latest books is something called why Silas Miller must learn to ride a bike. Have you heard of uh, this book? book. Yet? I have. I read that book. Have you? Technically you've, technically you've read it too already before you well, get that one. But, <laughs> yes. This is a promo. Um, it is. This is, this is a free promo for uh, one of our favorite authors, Renee Emerson, and a yes. uh, friend of the show who's been on yes. before. Very uh, I friend. hear she's pretty, Very pretty Yeah, she, <laughs> I hear she's pretty close with uh, one of the uh, hosts of the show, um, yeah. who happens to share the same last name. Yeah. But yeah, yeah anyway, uh, all this bandering about, yes, go buy Renee's book, uh, Why Silas Miller Must Learn to Ride a Bike, sold wherever fine books are sold. I found mine yes. on Amazon. Uh, she also has a, uh, a book that's coming out. Like she has, there's these things in, in the poetry world called chap books. They're kind of like EPs in the music world. Uh, okay. She has a, cha- she has a chat book coming out uh, called something, the Com- misfortunes of common everyday plants, something common misfortunes of everyday plants. I don't know if you do, if you search Renee Emerson pre-order, it, it comes up first, but it's a, uh, she wrote a series of poems from the perspective of plants in like strange situations, like the oak that's <laughs> growing in the basement. Uh, like, what was your exit plan? Uh, things like that. Um, one of them was uh, like a live succulent mistaken for plastic. Um, anyway, um, okay, yeah. Uh, definitely check out Renee Emerson on Amazon, uh, pre-order her book. Oh shoot. I've already forgotten the name of it. Um, why Silas Miller must learn to ride a bike. No, no, not that one. The other one, the common misfortunes of everyday plants, common misfortunes of everyday plants. And of course, why Silas Miller must learn to ride a bike. Yes. And forthcoming, she's having a full length poetry manuscript called, Church ladies. Yeah, this was the year of just publishing. She just got them all published at once. She's, yeah, so Church Ladies is coming out, I think, uh, sometime either this, this month or next month. So It was forthcoming 2022. It was. Uh, there was a thing called a supply chain shortage. Oh, yeah. It pushed everything back. Driving me nuts. It's uh, holding up volume four of Reform Systematic Theology as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what it does. Yeah, it's it's doing its thing. Well, anyway, that's very exciting. Uh, and yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're reading uh, work and um, making dinner uh, and yeah. <laughs> just living life, man. Just so, what have you been listening to? You uh, hear anything? Have you heard anything? Yeah, lately? so. So today is Saturday as we're recording this. And this past Wednesday, uh, a song mm-hmm. came out titled Psalm 150 by poor Bishop Hooper. Congratulations. Congratulations. You did it. You did it. 
No, uh, but in all seriousness, a uh, little less than three years did the entire Salter uh, not skimping on the 119. They released 22 songs in one day, and they didn't miss a week before that. So week 118, they released one song. Week 119, they released 22 songs. Week 120, they released one song. They didn't even drop a beat. They, they put out a Christmas album last Christmas uh, with, with five songs. They were all hymns. And released another random song in the middle of that as well. So that's just an insane amount that of, is of material. That is a lot of music. And, and original, if you, too. Install, yeah, original. And if you, if, if you do a side-by-side analysis of poor Bishop Hooper's entire Psalter uh, with the Rockin' uh, the rock and Psalms uh, whole Psalter, it's, it's like no no contest. Um, <laughs> the Rockin' Psalms. Rockin' Man, Psalms. I remember when we came across them for the first time, that was... Well, yeah, we're like, oh, wow, well, someone did a whole song. Oh, no, no, they just, huh. I think they threw it together in a weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's not very many individual groups that have uh, achieved the entire Psalter, but most that have, uh, not very impressive. And for Bishop Hooper, I think every one of their songs is just fantastic. And, and uh, you know, I haven't listened to the entire thing back to back, which would be an undertaking, but, um, but all the songs are different. I mean, they, they, none of them really feel like they're the same song repeated over and over again. And, uh, in fact, even their number 14 and number 53 are, are different songs. So, yes, they are. Yeah. They've done an outstanding job. We're, you know, very proud of them. They didn't even take a summer break, uh, like other people that I know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, go give them a are, listen. Are you- are you talking about the flocking guys again? Yes. Yes, I am. Because they still have yet to... They haven't released their last three episodes. They said we're quitting it. Yeah, we're quitting at episode 150, and they're at 147. I'm hoping that they just get to really missing it, and then decide just to continue on the show. So, David, Jim, if you're listening, get back at it. When, when I found out they had 10 episodes left, I wrote them a, a, a final song for their last episode. And it wasn't recorded very good because I messed up something. And I said, I'll get around to fixing it before the end. And I haven't touched it since then. And oh, maybe they're waiting on have it. Maybe they're waiting on me. <laughs> maybe it's me that they're waiting on. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, so someone else I've been listening to, uh, Spencer yeah. Parsons. I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Spencer released a, uh, he's, he's, he's working on Proverbs 10. I don't know how many songs will be uh, in the final project when it's all said and done, but he's one song with six uh, remixes. And I think he is getting close to getting a second one out, uh, but they're, they're really fun. Uh, I listened to them with my kids and they, they enjoyed them. Um, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, like vinegar to eye, or like vinegar to teeth, like smoke to the eyes is the slugger to those who send him. It's a good line. He's just basically taking the, the word straight from Proverbs 10. Um, so there's that. Uh, also, it's worth noting that 
we have a children's playlist on my Spotify account that's really going to destroy my Spotify <laughs> rap this year. Welcome. Uh, we, Welcome to the club. Yes. We have, uh, you know, we, we have our kind of our bomb cast blend. And I think every song that was from me was either straight from the children's playlist or was from this band called Wind Rose, which I found recently. Um, you know, I don't, I don't often listen to metal. And I found that those exact words are a really interesting way to start a conversation. You know, I don't usually listen to metal. Um, <laughs> but two things happened simultaneously. One, someone on our Discord challenged me or was asking about metal and Christian music and kind of challenged me to listen to some metal. Uh, at the same time, I was planning a series of workouts with my F3 group where I was going to do three days in a row and I was going to do one on the Fellowship of the Ring, one on the Two Towers, and one on Return of the King. Uh, those went really well, by the way. But I was listening to some... I, I just searched in Spotify um, Lord of the Rings Metal just to see what would come up. And a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff came up. Like a whole slew of stuff came up. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. That's yeah, there's like several playlists... And there's several bands that just write about Lord of the Rings related stuff. But the one that just really, really stuck out was a band called Wind Rose. They hmm. are uh, they are a concept band, uh, not too dissimilar of I Am the Pendragon. But um, what they do is they write from the perspective of dwarves from Middle Earth. And all their songs are about being a dwarf. And it's bizarre. Incredibly bizarre. Uh, their big album was called Winter Saga, and I've listened to this thing like twenty times now. Um, so uh, there, I'm probably going to have some of that on my on my wrapped. But um, Diggy Diggy Hole was is, was their big hit from that song, and the the chorus is, "I am a dwarf and I'm digging a hole, Diggy Diggy Hole, Diggy Diggy Hole." And someone on Minecraft like found the song and made a video. Uh, with it and it went viral and that's kind of how they kind of landed i don't know it was really bizarre but these guys are french it's a french band but they're singing from from the perspective of dwarves in middle earth in english um and all of their their instruments are a mix of like this metal in in like celtic music it's really really interesting and my theory is that since they're in france most people you know don't fluently speak English all the time. And so they can write whatever they want to because people like listening to English music, but they don't always understand it. So they can just write whatever they want. And they're huge nerds. And so they're a metal band of nerds writing about being a dwarf in Middle Earth because why else That's would amazing. you about being a dwarf in Middle Earth? That's my theory. Um, I, I looked them up. I've actually liked that Winter Song song. And I don't know if it was from you it or probably if was. it was it's from my in the son. Blend. Yeah, um, so that, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. So wind rose winter saga, uh, the first, I think six or seven tracks are just fantastic that honestly, the, the, the song I dislike the most is called there and back again, which is the one that's like the most on the nose about being a dwarf from middle earth. But, um, I didn't care for that one, but the, the rest of the album, it's just really fun. It's a really fun album. It's metal. I mean, so take it or leave it. But um, 
Mine, Mine, Mine is my favorite song on the album. And it's not like me, me, me. It's 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 pickaxe, mine, 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 mine. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's amazing. Um, yeah. that That's a far cry. Far from cry. Yes. Into the Lantern Waste by Sarah yes. Sparks. Yes. Which very, very different. Is definitely Another one of my album. most. It, it is my most listened to album uh, in the last 180 days. However, a lot of that was for that podcast episode that we did. Therefore, um, it, I mean, if I, so I, I took a look back um, for, for mine anyway, to the 1st of June, 2022. Um, and just kind of like looked at, uh, the the top ten were Crown and Covenant, Corner Room, Jeff Jeff Lippincott, Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, Christopher Tin, Max Richter, Spencer Parsons, Poor Bishop Hooper, The Piano Guys, and Ola Yelo. Yelo, Gelo. I'm not sure. Gigello. I need to take an Gigello. Uh I need to take a. Uh, I need to take a uh, a Norwegian course, I guess, but. Um, the point is, um, yeah, you know, that, that tells part of the story, but um, the music that I've been listening to um, has been a lot of like Voces 8 and Christopher Tin. They did an album, The Lost Birds, if you haven't heard this. It is in the run. It's in the definitely top two of the uh, Voces 8 albums spelled V-O-C-E-S 8. C is pronounced ch because it's Italian. Anyway, um, so I haven't lost my mind completely. But uh, The Lost Birds, go check it out. It's an amazing collaboration. I've also listened to a ton of uh, Chelsea Moon and the Franz Brothers, uh, which I think I mentioned on one of these podcasts, but it's just so good. This Hymn Project Volume 2. There, what wondrous love is this? Is one of my favorite recordings of that hymn. It's just beautiful. yes, the, I listened to it today. Yeah, it's just it's fantastic. I've I've been a fan of that one for years, years and years. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing for sure. Um, switching to well, switching back, I guess, to more classical. I've I've done a lot of classical music lately. Um, the I, I the band. I'm not sure what we what to call them, but it's called Time for Three, and they are like a violinist and a cellist, and I don't know, an upright bass. I believe. Anyway, they have this album called Letters for the Future, which Brian, if you've been listening to the the Blend playlist, there's several of those on, and I mean. This stuff is fantastic. I love it. Um, I've played it 39 times <laughs> the, since June 1st, um, nice. or at least, or I guess 39 songs on that album. It's uh, like eight, eight, nine songs. There are, there are two different symphonies, if that's the right word. Uh, there are movements to them, right? So, uh, and there's two of them. Uh, but anyway, that's been outstanding. Um, uh, also some Vikingur uh, Olafsson, who is uh, he's more of a popular uh, classical violinist. He has a lot of albums, very prolific. 
Seems like he comes out with a new one every week. Um, but Max Richter, uh, the new Four Seasons, he the Vivaldi recomposed. He does the Four Seasons, which by this point in my life, I have heard a time or two. Um, and I mean, it's it's a I love Vivaldi. Uh, he's hands down one of my favorite composers. He was early, early on in like the classical period. Um, anyway, but this. Ma- uh, Max Richter comes along and he has legitimately improved the four seasons. I mean, he wrote this a while ago. Um, this is actually a second recording that I like a little bit better than the other recording that is also out there. Um, and it's been, yeah, just fantastic. Uh, yeah. Listen to a lot of corner room. I I'm kind of on a pause on solos. My family says I listen to it too much. And so <laughs> I have stopped listening to it at least for a little while, but um, you know what, when I have my headphones on, they can't hear it. And so I, I, I need to get listening back to them again. I really enjoy that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, the music that I've been listening to. Um, at least a good portion of it. Um, trying to listen to quite a bit. Um, the a quick note about kids ruining my playlist. Yes, this was happening. This is why we got a family plan mm-hmm. on Spotify, and yeah. we dropped one of our other subscriptions. Well, that was all working fine and dandy, but then my two younger girls, who I had set up on Spotify Kids, couldn't find a lot of songs that they typically listen to and like um, on Spotify kids. If you have it parents, you'll know not all the songs are there. There are some huge gaps. Like you can search for an album and it will pull back maybe like one or two songs, or even you can search for a artist and it will pull back like one or two songs. It's terrible. And so I set them up with full Spotify accounts because they took to just opening up, my account and listening to, you know, good stuff. I mean, Phineas and Ferb are great, but listen to a lot of it. So, um, I'm curious to see what my Spotify wrapped will be this year too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, on our kids playlist, uh, we have a song called Wendy. Look everyone. It's Wendy. Mm-hmm. We also have a song, um, called Diana. Diana. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you stay with me, Diana. Uh, we have uh, "Walk Away, Renee," um, and there's a song about Susan. But then my wife also found one called "Zuzu," um, and even better, she hates it. Uh, oh wow! Well. <laughs> Everyone else loves it. It's like a zoop song, but it's a uh, oh, that's fun. Um, and then, but we couldn't find one a good one for June. Because, you know, everything is about like the month. So um, my wife just like kept listening to it over and over and over again. She finally found one called June Bug. She goes, I like this one a lot. It's more modern because everything else is like this oldies. Uh, but it's like, it's, it's a more modern song. It's by some guy named Mac Powell. I was like, Mac Powell? <laughs> like, you, know, you know who that is? So, or she goes, yeah, she goes, oh, this, yeah, this is from Mac Powell. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then she said something like, like not like some random guy. I went, you don't know who Mac Powell is? It's the lead singer of Third Day. Like, Third Day? Third Day. Man, come on. 
he did like a solo thing and i'm guessing his wife's name is june or something because it was a love song to a girl named june and, and I, oh that's I, sweet but yeah it's, it's nice and then um uh slugs and bugs has a song called sweet baby boy and barnabas loves that song. <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness he can't just listen to it once it's uh he has to listen to it a billion times in a row and everyone's like, stop it. I hate this song. He's like, sweet baby boy, sweet baby boy, sweet baby boy. He's, he's adorbs. Um, he's also a big fan of Hallelujah, Hallelujah as you've seen the video. Um, oh, yeah. So if we all just start singing Hallelujah, 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 he'll go praise ye the Lord and he'll sing the whole thing. It's, it's so freaking adorable. But, yeah, I was embarrassingly old when I found out that praise ye was actually like two different words. I thought it was yeah. praise ye. And um, yeah. yeah, it took a while. I always wondered what praise ye was, but it sounded good. Yeah. It means you praise. Oh, thank you, Brian. <laughs> my pleasure mystery salt salt all right oh man that's great so why has it been so long since we recorded it's like a <laughs> because we're busy because we're busy well um before we get into the main topic which i've manuscripted quite a bit to go over um Kind of wanted to give you guys, you on the outside, kind of a sneak peek behind the curtain. So it was probably a year ago, maybe even more. I don't remember exactly when the first conversation happened where Grant said, hey, so Psalm, uh, so episode 53, you know, it's coming up fairly soon. Um, you know that Psalm 53 is almost word for word the same as Psalm 14. Uh, there are some nuanced differences. Uh, I've actually read a decent commentary on it recently. Um, but we, Grant said, we should return to that topic. We should do another episode on that same topic, whatever topic it was. So I looked it up. Well, what I, what I originally said was that we should just replay the same episode and find out if anyone episode. noticed. If anyone notices. Yeah. So <laughs> that would have solved the problem significantly quicker if we had. But I, but I guess my response came up with a better idea. The better idea was, well, let's just revisit it and kind of just talk about it again. So I looked it up and the episode was was titled Jesus paid it all, which may very well be like one of our most popular episodes. Um, It was about the royalties argument. It's where we, uh, we first started talking about Dustin Kinzer, I think in that episode. That is, uh, if you, If if you look at how people find us, they're Googling Dustin Kinzer and they find us, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, And so we are up there. So we're up there. If you if you Google Dustin Kinzer deconstruction, we are like on the first Google page. And uh, I I saw a good meme the other day. It was Google page number two. And then it had a quote from Obi-Wan Kenobi saying that you'll never find uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you, you know yeah so uh so yeah so it's that's that's pretty cool but um 
So we thought, all right, yeah, let's talk about royalties argument. And I thought, you know what? You know what would be a great episode is if we talk about holding intention, the royalties argument and the kin's rule. The kin's rule being the idea of if someone is a member of the covenant and they are, and they write a song while they're a member of the covenant, but then deconstruct it later. What do you do with their music? And you and I, both being Westminster folk, uh, thought, hey, yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. And then uh, Justin was like, yeah, I don't know that I'm like on board with this whole control thing. And that started some conversations. And then uh, we kind of got to the bottom of it. And the idea of covenant theology really had a whole lot to play in the interpretation of of this. Like, when do we use, like, what do we do with, with music from someone who deconstructs? Uh, covenant theology really played a pretty major uh, major part in that. And so I decided, you know, I, I want to do this. I think this sounds like a great idea, but we need to take some time. And we had some time at the time. And we we're like, we need to take some time and really like plan for this and really do a deep dive into this idea and, and, and come up with some really quality uh you know, some, some quality knowledge and, and not just like talking off the cuff and not just thinking back and forth, just us. And, um, you know, quite honestly, this deep dive probably nearly shut us down. It, uh, it nearly shut us down. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, so we got it to the point of like, all right, you're, it's, it's June 1st or I guess May 28th and we're recording episode 52 and we still don't know what we're going to talk about in 53. Um, and so we were like, hey, I could buy some time. We can plan another solo episode. And four months later, here we are. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, no, but uh, we we did a lot of, of deep dive research into this. We I talked with bunch of different people and i really try to find uh people on the westminster side people on the uh london baptist side and, and i really wanted to get to the bottom of this and it's funny uh i learned a whole lot about a lot of things and i actually have in this deep dive i have flipped my position on on a, a, at least three issues uh, more conservative and We'll get into those in the episodes to come. Uh, we'll get into one of them today, but it's just, it's interesting uh, that I have through this deep dive have gone even more conservative. I've changed pretty drastically a couple of my views, um, maybe a little bit more nuanced than the other, but yeah, it's a nuance. Nuance. Cause we all love, love you're not PCA unless you like some nuance, right? Is that how that works? Uh, well, that's that's what I hear from the uh, guys over at Presbycast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, did you want to add any any of that before I move on? Well, I'm just glad that you, you know, have some. Uh, background in, in, in this. I mean, like, yeah, you put a ton of work into this and yeah, like you said, we're going to pull it open again. Um, I just think that we need to put Kenzer's name in the title somehow. And um, <laughs> we, we gotta, we gotta boost the SEO. Um, 
Yeah. I, I have looked it up. Um, our top episode ever uh, for downloads is the very first one. And I think that's just because people go back and listen to that one to find out if we were any good back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, after that is uh, episode 23, which is not like episode 23. In Yeah. And that was right, Praise right, God right. from uh, Whom All Blessings Flow understanding genuine and prescribed praise in Christian worship. So had that's arguably the best ending the of all episodes. I had arguably, yeah, arguably is that the where best we ending. sang? That's where we sang. Yeah. We're yeah. We saying amen. Yeah. That it was, it took us so many takes. It did. We figured it out. I think <laughs> it just, yeah, anyway. we, we Frank, we Frankenstein that thing. Um, yeah. And then I know earth has no sorrow was, a, is pretty high on there. That one gets like the most web. That one gets like some of the most like hits, like some of the web page gets a lot of hits. Yeah. Which that was the the Kendrill episode. Yeah. Um, Maybe this one will too. Maybe. Maybe people will be like, wait, I thought this podcast was dead. And then they'll listen to it. Yeah. It's alive. Um, Oh. Yeah. So, um, so I just want to say that these, I had these, conversations with people uh, about this and I came up with just some interesting like disagreements um, specifically concerning the covenant theology and it really surprised me how much covenant theology went into just understanding worship Um, but I also uh, saw on both sides of the coin including myself like this is this is part of the the uh, reason why I flipped on a couple issues mm-hmm. is I realized how mystical we were treating worship on both sides. Mm. And, and we'll get into that, but this idea of, of mysticism in, in worship and especially in the songwriting process was a major player in both interpretations from the London Baptist guys, as well as the Westminster guys. Um, and that was, that was really eye opening to me. Um, so, uh, as I said, there's about three specific issues that I have flipped on. Uh, we'll get into one of them by the end of this episode. But uh, yeah, it's it was interesting. Yeah, sweet. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I mean, like I was there for a lot of that conversation, um, especially one key one between you and uh, the odd deacon himself. Odd deacon, yes. Um, odd deacon. Which was, I, I don't know. I thought it was a great conversation. Um, and, uh, I should have gone back and read that, tried to find it. No, fantastic. uh, What what he said to me went like what he finally said to me, he finally said something that got through and it was like getting slapped in the face and it was like, wow, holy moly, you are completely right. This is crazy. And that was what, uh, really initiated the flip. So I'll get into his response. Um, it's one of the. His, his response is number three that I have written down there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was also uh, available on our website, bonecast.com. Bonecast.com. Um, not there is, that's our email. Um, so for the rest of this episode, I, I want to share some of the details of that rabbit hole uh, research um, for the five months. It's, I probably did research for like a solid six months into this. It wasn't like every day, but uh, it, we're talking, it's probably been six months since I started 
planning this yeah. episode. Well, um, there's a lot of people to talk to. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of people. Um, and I'd say ultimately, um, I was, I've been able to boil down all these conversations, which it's not been like dozens and dozens of conversations. It's probably been like five or six conversations, but I've been able to, to boil them down into kind of three thoughts um, on how to interpret the Kins rule. And again, for those playing at home, the Kins rule is named after Dustin Kinsrew, um, who he wrote music for the band, The Modern Post, which was one of the worship bands from Mars Hill. After Mars Hill imploded, Dustin Kinsrew walked away from the faith. Uh, now he believes that the only consistency or the only, uh, the only thing that does that, doesn't change is change itself. I don't know. It's something weird. He believes that God. It's process theology. Process yeah, theology. Uh, and yeah. we did an episode on on that as well. Um, yeah. Which I could find for you at some point. I, you know, it's funny. I actually use our website um, as uh, reference material. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do we say about that? And yeah. I actually had to look that up um, fairly recently um, because I remember I had. A uh, quote by uh, Feinberg in there, John Feinberg, who wrote uh, No One Like Him, which is on the whole a fairly decent book. Um, I haven't read the whole thing, but uh, pieces of it anyway. Uh, yeah. All that to say, process theology. Process theology. And so he's he's not necessarily out there like trying to, he's not in churches trying to pull people out. Uh, or he's not like trying to say, hey, I'm a Christian. And you guys can be a Christian too and believe what I believe. He's not really doing that. He's he's pretty outspoken. I have deconstructed. Um, mm. You know, I do not believe what the church believes anymore. This is what I believe. Um, he's he's not militant as far as I can tell, um, but he's like ready and willing to to take people that are seeking to leave the church. Um, and so, I personally don't feel bad playing his music at my house. I, I, I kind of pray if when he gets his royalty checks from the amount of music of his that I play, that it's convicting for him. Um, and, and I don't really feel like he's going to take that money and use it to lure people away from the church. So I, I don't feel like it's a, it's quote unquote dangerous. Um, and so as far as the royalties argument goes, I don't have a problem with him um, in that context. Um, there's other people. Sure. There's other people, uh, Isaac Wardell, for example, that I feel differently. Um, Isaac Wardell wrote most of the music for the band Bifrost Arts, which uh, episode 23, uh, 22B was our, I did uh, a review of, of a few songs. Uh, one of them was from the, um, the Bifrost Arts album Lament, uh, Lamentations, which I still think is a very, very good album. But I, I can't really recommend it anymore because of the royalties argument. Because Isaac Wardell is also writing music for the Porter's Gate. Um, he oh, apparently at one point was a PCA music minister, and then he uh, uh, he became Anglican, and so he became one of the those people that uh, left, kind of deconstructed to Anglicanism. Um, and his most recent album there was Climate Vigils. I mean, mm. how much more obvious can he be? Uh, <laughs> he, 
they definitely, you know, if you remember, they had the song that was basically conflating oh, Jesus yeah. with George Floyd. They literally had a song that had a BLM chant in it. It said, we will march in the street, no justice, no peace. Like that is a lyric in one of the songs. Uh, so just very super progressive, super woke. Um, so I don't want to send him money that he can now use to further his current agenda, which is within the church, which is actively leading people away from, from the truth and from, from Christ. So as much as I love the song, Psalm 126 from, uh, from Bifrost Arts, I don't listen to it anymore um, for that reason. Um, so that is the, that's the kind of the premise behind the, this idea of, of holding intention the, the kin's rule and the royalties argument, because sometimes I personally don't have a problem paying some of the royalties, but sometimes I do. So how do we, as a church, um, deal with that? And, um, and so, as I mentioned, I had these conversations, came up with three kind of thoughts, uh, but coupled with each one of these three thoughts, it was fairly unanimous as soon as you get royalties involved, just don't play it. Boom. Done. Mic drop. Very boring. Holding <laughs> holding intention these two arguments. Just don't hold them in tension. Just don't play the song. There's a, there's other songs. Yeah, yeah, just don't play it. Um if if you're if you're worried at all, just don't play it. You know, there's there's probably millions of songs you can choose from. I mean most of them are bad. Most of them are garbage. <laughs> But there's probably a million that you can choose from. Uh, there's probably thousands of solid songs that you can choose from. So why play one that you're a little bit worried about? Why play one? And then a similar argument to the Rotis argument is what I'm calling the guilt by association argument. Why uh, potentially send someone to go research Dustin Kendrew and very, very slim chance might walk away from the faith because of what they find? Why risk it when you don't have to? Mm. And, and that, that's a big deal. Um, that said though, uh, the royalties argument trumps the kin's rule, but the kin's rule is still there. Uh, and, and by say, when I say it's still there, I mean, th these concepts are still there of what do you do with these songs? Uh, what happens if someone walked away from the faith hundred years ago and we still sing their music in church? Say it is well with my soul. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the question now becomes one of morality. Um, is God glorified when we sing a song that we know was written by a guy that walked away from the faith? Is God glorified? Um, or is it in some way blasphemous for us to sing a song that the guy that wrote it was probably not a Christian when he wrote it? And I think that that is the, the, the crux of the issue. Uh, is God glorified? Can God be glorified when we sing a song written by someone? Was not saved. Um, even if they were sitting in a good church, sitting, um, you know, actively receiving, um, you know, hearing the gospel, actively receiving um, ministry by the by spiritual gifts of the people around them, actively receiving prayer, you know, actively what we call receiving the the um, covenantal blessings, uh, whether you understand it that way or not. Um, you know, if someone is actively receiving those as a member of the church, as a member of, of the covenant, that's, that's what I believe, is that song legitimate? And, and that was that was the crux of the, the question. And, and I found that 
um, my Baptist friends would say, no, it's illegitimate. It's an illegitimate song because this guy was writing a song uh, ultimately to another God. And we can't sing it because it's not written to our God. And, uh, and I, I found that to be an interesting take. Um, because, and the reason why it's an interesting take is it, it has this morality to it. If we can't sing a song that was written by a non-Christian, how do I know? How do I know for a fact that John Newton was actually a Christian? How can I be certain of John Newton and his salvation? Um, what, if, what if he rejected God on his deathbed? What if Augustus Toplady rejected God on his deathbed? Or what if he slowly walked away from the faith and no one knew about it? Also, you can, like, there's some debate about the Wesleys. Like, the Wesleys were strange individuals. Um, uh, William Cooper committed suicide. Uh, that doesn't mean he wasn't saved, but he, he definitely he, dealt with a lot with of mental severe, yeah. um, issues, severe depression. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, the author of uh, Amazing Grace. Um, John Newton. John Newton. Yeah. Took him in. Yeah, they, yeah, he was like roommates with him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was caring for him as he was a pastor of, you know, the church and everything like that. So. Yeah, and, um, and then you get like Isaac Watts, who is a Unitarian, um, and so how do you deal with that? Or, or you know, people who were, um, you know, Catholic, who may or may not have believed in you know, the in the importance of faith in the Bible. I mean, it's you can get into some really really strange categories, and so. Um, so you, you get in, yeah, it's, it, it gets really hairy really quickly when you start looking at this and um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. I, I want to, I want to go through uh, these ideas. So these thoughts, so thought number one, so this was kind of my first point boiled down. This is a, this is a possible reaction to the, the kids role. Uh, songwriters under the Abrahamic covenant will receive the blessings of regularly hearing biblical teaching, regularly receiving prayer from other members and regularly being ministered th uh, to through the gifts of the, of the spiritual gifts of other members. Uh, as such, this covenantal membership justifies the songwriting and makes it useful for the congregational worship. So this person was receiving legitimate spiritual uh, support and Therefore, the song is um, is legitimate, and and I and this was what I was going into. Like this was my thought that I kind of created, um, and the idea is covenantal membership means something. It it means something more than just um, than just I go to church. So and, let's break that down a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe you are breaking it down, and I'm just interrupting. No, but what, what do we mean when, I mean, not everybody out there is a covenantal sure. theologian. Uh, right. what, what do we mean when we say that they're in the covenant and how so, is that maybe different from other people? Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and that, that this was kind of the crux of this, this conversation for me. And, and I've not been a Presbyterian my whole life. And so I, I feel like I've got a fairly decent grasp on what is historically understood. But um, when, you are a covenantal, a member of the, of the covenant. 
uh, just like people like Korah, for example. Korah was a member of the covenant, yet he um, rejected Moses and Aaron and ultimately God. And so God caused the ground to open up and swallow him. And so we understand him to not have been saved. Uh, he rejected God ultimately. But that doesn't mean he wasn't a member of the covenant uh, up until that moment. Uh, we also have literally the entire nation of Israel, members of the covenant. But everyone sees, like Ahab, King Ahab, he was a member of the covenant. Yet he was not saved. He was a very, very wicked man. So just because you're a member of the covenant doesn't mean that you are saved, uh, especially it's very obvious in the Old Testament. Um, but what we believe in the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith teaches is that when God made the covenant with Abraham, it was an everlasting covenant. It says that in, in Genesis 17, an everlasting covenant. And when Peter speaks in Acts 2, he uses very, very similar language. And we believe that that was the uh, continuation of the covenant. He wasn't saying this is a new thing. He was saying this is the same covenant that believing in, but it looks different now. Uh, it has, the, the requirements have been fulfilled and now we've taken to the blessings. Um, yeah. And a different administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, different administration. Um, and most of our sacraments mirror some of the old sacraments. You know, instead of Passover, we have the Lord's Supper. Instead of uh, circumcision, we have baptism. Um, and then in Acts 2, we, we, Peter says, repent and be baptized, and this is a promise for you and for, for your little ones. Uh, and so we, we believe that that was a mirror of Genesis 17, which was about circumcision. Right, a continuation even, and yeah, uh, yeah which is important to point out. But we're, we're not, yeah, yeah, I understand we're not here to, you know, litigate yeah. the... <laughs> that but right. um, if you are interested please do check out Westminster Confession of Faith chapter 7 we'll we'll drop a link in the show notes um, to that and, uh, to and so out. this was so this was the idea behind what I was believing which was if you're in the covenant that means something uh, and so yeah. if you write a song in the covenant it means something it carries weight and it shouldn't be ignored um, and I was talking to some of my London Baptist confession uh, friends and their idea of the covenant is of one where when you are in it, you cannot get out of it. So it is more or less identical to salvation. You are not actually a member of the covenant unless you are legitimately saved. Um, and so you may look like you're in the covenant, but you're not actually in the covenant. And I, I have some strong disagreements with that, especially when you bring in um, uh, Romans 11 into the, the mix. Romans 11 talks about, and I really hope I'm getting the chapter, book and chapter right. If I'm not, then we can make an edit. But um, it's the one about the, the vine and the branches. And it says, you know, the, the vine is the covenant and, you know, God can break off the old branches and graft in the wild olive roots, uh, olive shoots. And this is the picture of, this is the covenant people that were in the covenant, but that rejected Christ are broken off of the, the covenant and those who are outside are grafted in, but those could, there's a warning that they could be broken back off. Uh, we also have multiple warning passages in Hebrews. And why would there be a warning passage if you like, if you can't lose your salvation? And I believe the reason why is because you can lose your covenant membership. Um, however, you cannot be saved 
and lose your covenant membership. You can be unregenerate and in the covenant and lose your covenant membership, which could be by God directly, or it could be by deconstruction. Like we see it. Um, Dustin Kendrew right. is, is where they example. prove themselves to be, yeah, not in the covenant. Um, so they're assumed to be in the covenant unless they prove themselves not to be. Right. And that's, and so, um, so this, this second thought is coming from, from a London Baptist view, and it's um, it's songwriters who were never Christians, never fully understood the gospel, and were never able to worship God properly. As such, any song they wrote was ultimately to a God made in the likeness of the songwriter. Using this song takes glory away from God and is not useful for congregational worship. Um, and, and I'll say that parts of this thought number one and thought number two, I'd say are still legitimate, but neither one of them are fully legitimate. Uh, neither one of them are fully backed up by scripture. Um, and, and I will admit that what I wrote here for, for number two, um, there wasn't a person that said this exactly to me. This was, uh, taken to its logical conclusion, uh, in, through my perspective and, uh, especially about the, song taking glory away from God. No one, no one said that to me, but I, I do believe that that's the logical conclusion uh, about the, if you, if the songwriter is singing to a, to a God that he creates, then it seems like the song shouldn't be used because it takes glory away from God. And, uh, and if that's not your position, write in and tell us. And uh, right. Um, yeah. And, and ultimately, I hope that's not your position, but I also hope that position number one is not your position because I no longer hold to that. That was my first flip. Uh, I, I flipped from holding that position of what I called the Ken's rule, and now I believe in something else. And the 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 linchpin, if you will, is a idea of mysticism, because both of those two thoughts fall into a trap of seeing music as more mystical than it is. And, and it can actually be very easy to treat music and songwriting as a sacrament. I, I think it was Presby Cast that said that on one of their episodes recently as well about modern songwriting has become a sacrament in the church. Um, and you can't touch it because people find it to be more holy than it actually is. Um, and so this final thought rejects the view of sacramental songwriting. And it is a, uh, Songwriters in good standing, sitting under good teaching, will tend towards having a better head knowledge of theology and can incorporate that knowledge into their songwriting. Also, in order for a song to be useful for congregational worship, there does not need to be an, quote, original worship experience uh, that mystically makes it possible for future legitimate worship experiences. As such, each song should be judged for legitimacy only on its own merit through various discernment processes. And so this was uh, more or less what Odd Deacon said to me. And yep. it, it I makes that. so much more sense. It makes so much more sense um, that the, 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 the covenantal membership doesn't come into place, uh, but neither does the salvation because both of those views kind of make this very mystical thing re required where there must be an original worship experience for the song to become legitimate, which is not biblical and, and is mystical and um, is sacramental. And, and so, uh, so I apologize uh, 
for having kind of posed this idea on this podcast and uh, maybe said it with more authority than I should have. But there, there's also this like really Gnostic uh, side to that. Like, how do I know that this guy was a Christian and how can mm. I know for certain that I'm glorifying God? And again, I, I, I went down the, uh, should I become Psalmody exclusive, uh, trail again, because yes, you should know if you're listening, no for questioning. Fact. Yeah. I know for a fact that those songs are safe. Um, and so it answers those questions as well. Cause how can I know? And not, not how can I know that I know that I know that I'm safe. How can I know that I know that I know that all of these old 17th century songwriters were saved? Because I can't. And I just have to trust that, um, that the songs that they left us are useful based on the merit that they just have intrinsically. Uh, I, can, I can read the lyrics for myself. I can discern those lyrics myself. And I can decide whether or not uh, those songs are legitimate. And, and also, I'd say that this... Uh, this helps when you are in, in a church, maybe visiting a church that you are unfamiliar with and they're singing a song that you're unfamiliar with the writer. You don't have to just be like, oh, I don't, I don't know who wrote the song, so I can't sing it, uh, which I have been very guilty of. Um, I usually won't sing a song the first time I hear it just because I don't know what the words are going to be. But if I know that Bethel wrote a song and I know that the lyrics are fine, if I'm not the one who's paying the royalties because I didn't choose the song, um, mm -hmm. I can still sing it confidently. And, and I don't need to be a stick in the mud and just be like, I refuse to sing it uh, out of principle um, because I can worship God with a, with a clean conscience. Yeah, well, that's helpful. Um, I mean, it does also, if you are a pastor, music pastor of some kind, where you're you know, somebody who's picking music for worship, I mean, you gotta, it puts a big burden on you, you know, um, these are weighty matters and not to mm -hmm. be taken lightly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they're to be prayed over and, and thought through, not just sort of, um, slapped together, which I think we have said. Um, and, and again, um, I also want to point out, uh, yeah, saying things with authority. I mean, um, Brian and I have no church authority. Uh, we nope. have no authority over you. We have, nope. we are not ordained. We are not um, your pastor. So your butt better be in a pew on Sunday. Um, yes, it should, which is tomorrow. Which, which is tomorrow. If, if you're listening to this live, if you're, which is just, which is just me and Grant. Well, there's two of us. <laughs> yeah. We even have all the uh, outtakes still left in. I mean, this is like director's cut material here. Yeah, it is that it is um yeah so on the website as of right now and probably as of the time you're listening to this because i don't know when i'm going to get around to editing this um we have our discernment uh questionnaire and section four is the origin element that's going to go away the origin element will eventually go away we could probably just go in there and, and cut it um oh yeah i can do that right now actually um do you want me There's to like line it out to say, "Hey, we used to, but now we don't"? Uh, maybe. So let's 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 leave it alone for for right the second. I might call it something else, like take out element from the from the thing and just um, say maybe final questions. Uh, I do think that asking the questions about the royalties and about the uh, the guilt by association. So the royalties argument, guilt by association argument questions, I, I think are still useful, uh, but they just 
are kind of in a different category. They're subordinate. They're they're absolutely subordinate. Um, cool. But uh, so uh, some other things I, I kind of wanted to say before we, we close out. There are two other uh, topics that I flipped on, and uh, we're probably going to talk about those in the next couple episodes, which will happen at some point. At some point in the future. We both want to do this. Um, yes, we do. It's just trying to get our schedules aligned. And um, primarily me, like I, I realize that like we are just, um, I'm the, I'm the one holding it back. I apologize. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk more about this too. Like, um, I, I mean, this is, this is why this whole podcast got started was yeah. it's like, what do we do with, particularly all of worship, but particularly the music and worship and how do we handle that? And um, I know uh, I, I still want to have an exclusive solemnity talk at some point Yes, um, where we talk about what that is. Um, maybe you've, I, I mean, you've probably heard it if you've been on the listening to us very long. Um, uh, so you, you, you may have some understanding of what that means, but um, why do people do that? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> And why do people uh, prefer Psalms maybe even? And um, um, I think whether you are exclusive Psalmody or not, the questions it poses are important to ask and answer. Um, And so I definitely would like to um, open up that can of worms at some point. I, I will tell you, I would love to have like a RPC and a pastor somebody who actually holds to it and can give a, you know, some sort of a better argument than I can. Um, we should right get Rosaria. Now, ooh, our numbers would go through the roof. Yeah. We'd be like Presby girls. Yeah. Still with the number one top spot on uh, all time listens on, or yeah, not, maybe not all time, but, they were definitely yeah, we've, uh, very we've got some connections. We've got some connections. We can we can maybe Do you have those I mean, kinds of connections. I could just message Zoe on the Discord. She doesn't know who I am, oh, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you don't know me, but <laughs> could you connect much. us with Rosario? <laughs> yes, that would be my exact way that I would do it. And she'd probably say no, and I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Um we could just go we could always go back to David. Um if we can't get Rosario, we can fall back to David. Um, well, I was thinking our local pastor here um, in That's true. Oklahoma. Uh, he is a really good guy. I don't know if he'd be willing to or not. I haven't broached the subject with him, but um, he would be local. <laughs> he would be local. Not in, not in Colorado. But it would be fun also to have David on. It would so, be. Uh, something, something to think about. And he, he would, um, he, I mean, we all know him. So he, he would give a fine, a fine defense yeah. of, uh, of it and allow us to poke and prod him a bit, which is, and then really he would poke and prod us right back. Um, well, that's fine. I just, yeah, I like the repartee. Yeah. That's where you yeah, learn. Maybe. I find it's where you learn. I, in, I mean, I've like I've said it before. I became a Presbyterian after getting in an online argument with David. So, um, it could happen again. It could happen again. <laughs> Uh, it, it could happen again. So, um, so these two topics, 
that, that I've, I've, I've flipped on. Uh, I've kept you in suspense long enough. Um, yeah, let's hear it. So I, so I came up with this, uh, with this phrase that I think was, uh, was helpful. Not really helpful. I thought it, I think it was somewhat clever though. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce the word. Uh, I've just seen it written. Don't you love it when you see a word written and you don't know how to pronounce it, but you think it's cool. So you use it anyway. And it's a true, true contemporary contemporaneity hasn't been tried. True contemporaneity hasn't been tried is the, was the phrase I came up with. Um, obviously this is poking fun at true communism hasn't been tried, meaning that communism has been tried and it doesn't work. And contemporaneity would be this idea of the contemporary worship, but, but for the sake of being contemporary worship, um, I have been a very vocal proponent for the forms and styles of contemporary worship. Uh, I have tried to find the third way uh, for the blended structure. Love the third way. Love the third way. And, and I have been very vocal about this, about uh, you should use whatever instrument is available. Uh, you should use whichever songs uh, you, you know, your church connects with. I mean, I've, I've said these things on this podcast I think it was episode 17, 18, 19, 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there. The holy, holy, holy episodes where we talked about style and the yeah. helicopter flew over us. Um, that was early uh, on. Yeah. Uh, those episodes, I, I haven't gone back to listen to them, but I'm pretty sure I don't agree with anything that I said in those episodes anymore. Uh, I uh, am fully on with the with the concept of um, it is best to only have minimal instrumentation uh, I, I don't think it's a sin to have a band so i don't think that worship is illegitimate if you have a full band but i i do believe that worship is best with just a simple accompaniment with um, with key and tempo and just something to support the singing uh, i think that's best I also believe that a more traditional song structure is best because it's easier to sing. Um, you know, it, it can still maintain a level of beauty and excellence without just being just difficult to sing. Because a lot of contemporary songs, they'll have like a part, like a bridge that's just really difficult, maybe an octave jump in there. Uh, just the, the style itself doesn't lend itself to congregational singing as well as the hymn structure. And, uh, and so call me a traditionalist, but give me a hymnal and a piano. And I think it's best. That's, that's both, that's both of the, uh, the flips instruments as well as style. It's a pretty big, big jump. I mean, pretty big jump. Um, well, especially for you who, you know, you are a musician, you are mm -hmm. somebody who, uh, you know, has, led worship and well i mean mm -hmm. i have not really but um i've led worship i used to sing in the choir wow banjo um i uh funny you say that uh I, I, the worship leader at our church was talking about somebody having done that fairly recently anyway um it just sparked something but whatever mm -hmm. it's fine um yeah it's it's interesting um uh but uh yeah no hey uh 
great to have you um, over here. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not real vocal. I, I like, I, I just feel like I have to have a really, really, I don't know. I have to be a little more thoughtful about like what I'm going to say. And so I feel like you've thought about these things way more than I have. So it's just, and you always make me think like, Hmm, that's a good point. I wonder if I should reevaluate, you know, <laughs> yeah. but um, I also went to, uh, uh, you know, want to affirm what C.S. Lewis has said before windows are made for seeing something through. It's not just endlessly like looking and looking to no purpose and no end. I'm yeah. butchering the actual quote, but he essentially said that, which I think is helpful. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I think on our next episode, we're going to talk about instruments. Uh, kind of talk about what I've said before and what I believe now and why I, I've changed my mind. Uh, so I, I think the next several episodes probably are going to be, let's reevaluate. Let's just, uh, let's, let's back everything up. Let's, let's talk about what we uh, have changed, what we, what we still believe to be the same. Kind of go around those, those lines. We'll still do some, uh, some, probably some song versus song, though I haven't been listening to a lot of like modern Christian lately so uh oh you haven't haven't. yeah well i mean i've listened to some but uh boy every time i like think oh i should listen to what's hot in christian music right now for the show and i'm like "Ah." yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i don't know i think i'd rather listen to my weird dwarven metal music oh right or yeah i've yeah something else uh Shoot, I forgot my opportunity to say that I really like the uh, new song from um, Stephen Curtis Chapman's son. Colin, Colin oh. House, yeah. Um, don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it. I, I did. I, really like I it. did. It, and like you said, it was their uh, – let me, let me, I'm going to pull up your actual quote. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean nothing worse you, than misquoting me. Misquoting you to your face. Um your exact quote, which I found myself agreeing with, was let's see, it was um, oh, so Colony House put out first decent song in a while. Yes, it was absolutely the first decent song in a while. Great song, no, decent song, yes. Was it better than their Rotten Tomatoes EP? Which why would you name an EP Rotten Tomatoes to begin with? Yes, um, was it better than any? of the tracks off of their second album. No. Um, and I think my exact response was it's tough when you peek at your second album. It just is. It is. It is. But this was a good one. And I hope, I mean, they've had a bit of a hiatus. The last album they released was 2020. So they've had a while. Yeah, in, uh, and I know that they were working on their third album and their record label dropped them. I don't know why. I just know that they did. And so their third album, there are some songs on it that were fine. Like like their opening song, I, I enjoyed. Um, but the there's just were some weird songs on there. Um, and, and it wasn't like a very cohesive album. But well, their second album was just phenomenal. Their second album was phenomenal. It was a rock star album. And then their third album yeah. was not nearly as good. Um, 
and everything they've put out since has not been as good. And then yeah. uh, Jillian Edwards, like her most recent album was another covers album. Like she just put out another, I don't uh, JJ Heller, who I've liked for a long time, has just been putting out mush, uh, also covers. But uh, she did recently do um, a pretty decent job of uh, um, S- Snow from uh, White Christmas, the movie. Okay. You know, where oh, they're yeah. on the train. Snow, 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 yeah, that's snow. the one. And she did a nice little rendition. And she has I a great voice. And I. Snow. She kind of, she reminds me a lot of like, um, uh, Zoe, um, not Zoe girl. Um, Deshnal. yeah, Deshnal. very similar. I like that style. I will say I'm a sucker for it, but way too many like lullaby type drivel. I mean, it's fine, I guess, but do something else. <laughs> You don't need yeah. to always do Disney music, you know, like, please yeah. just, let's anyway, I, I'd like to pivot from that because I have something very exciting. We have mail, uh, mail from it's a listener, a like a real person. Never fails. It makes me, never mind. Have you been checking our inbox? Because there's a lot of junk in here. I get Spotify emails email. probably five times a day. Yeah, it, I just get it forwarded to mine, and some. And if it looks like spam, I don't even, I don't even check to see like if it was. That's fair. This there is might have come through as spam just because of the way our contact form is set up. Look, folks, I used to be a web designer back many years ago, and I would probably care a lot more about fixing that, but I don't really know how anymore. Um, you know, technology has moved on. And I have moved on. And so I never moved. I want to, first of all, apologize to Leslie who wrote in back on July 23 of uh, this year. Thankfully, thankfully, (laughs) but it's been a while. At least it was between the last two. So uh, Leslie, uh, thank you for the really kind uh, message. It reads, I am really glad I found this episode. She's talking about, Oh boy, I don't. I'm. I'm not sure which one. We'll see if we can decipher though. Uh, we recently sang this at a youth conference, and I found myself oh, yeah. unable to sing "Rest on Us." Mad- I tried to make sense of it uh, and justify it, but in the end, every time we it was sang, I would have to use my own words or not sing parts of it. You all discussed all my issues with it, and I appreciate the insights, even when you were being charitable. Thanks again. Thank you, Leslie. And I hope you'll still listen to us. And hey, we're, we're finally back. Um, I might just hit reply and see if I can uh, reach yeah. back out. But um, yeah, very cool uh, to see a message come in. And I'm sorry we didn't get back to you sooner. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're, we're back in the swing of things, as they say. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to have another episode before the end of the year. That's our goal. We'll see. Hey, well, we got to do Spotify wrapped somehow. And that is due. I mean, it usually comes out not too far after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it should be coming up. Um, By the way, this is also, I think, episode one of season five. Yeah. Let's call it. Let's call it that. Yeah. Let's call it that. Episode one of whatever season we're on. I think it's five. Um, 
which is a good which is a good time good time to do that yeah and I don't remember how we used to sign off I think it was come Lord Jesus come quickly yeah I think so and then we come up with a show title we should do that yes <laughs> yes we should the end there is a bomb in the air to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in the air to heal the sin-sick soul. To never feel discouraged, Jesus is your for listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at theres at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast.